It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, if last week's win against Tennessee wasn't already big enough for you, how about today? South Carolina does something that they haven't done since 2013, and that's being able to beat Clemson. Welcome in, everybody, and happy Saturday afternoon. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, Michael Skarnecki is going to be hopping on with us in just a little bit. We have a lot to get to. There he is right now. There's the man, Michael Skarnecchia. Intern Joe's on here. I don't know what the heck intern Joe What just happened, Mike? Um, (laughs) We will get to intern Joe in a little bit, but Mike, let's just go right to it. Let's use Joe's question. What just happened? Listen, they carried the confidence they had from last week into this game. They didn't change much on offense. They executed the deep shots. Spencer made plays when he had to. You know, the run game wasn't always there, but Spencer – we relied on his arm. He made it happen. So and another thing is special teams was unreal. I think what we had five or six punts within the 20 yard line. Statistically speaking, when you're having to come out of the, the 10 yard line, your own 10, the, the likelihood of you scoring on that drive is so low that it's fantastic for the defense. Let me turn my notifications on mute so they don't keep digging in. Um, and then let's talk about special teams again with turnovers. Huge turnover on that final play to take away an opportunity that we don't know what would have happened. They All they needed was a field goal, and they had good field position. Huge takeaway. We should have had another pick, six, that uh, I think maybe it was Dial had that he yep. missed. Overall, just a fantastic game. We were in DJ's head the entire game. He couldn't get settled with the pressures. There was a mix-up with stunts, with blitzes. The man-to-man coverage was locked on. He got uncomfortable, especially in that second half, and he never got back into the game. While our defense did bend, but not really break a lot in that first half, I'll tell you what, they came out that second half ready to play. And shout out to, you know, we've been, we've given, or given Satterfield a lot of slack these past couple, um, these past couple weeks, or heck, this whole season, saying he hasn't done the job. Our offense hasn't looked ready any single game. I don't know what's changed. I've heard that he's been focused more on not on the, you know, what happened the previous play, but focused on the next play so he's really looking into his playbook and seeing what's happened on the field and letting his other coaches take in but whatever change fantastic keep doing it take that into the bowl game because this team has looked fantastic these past two weeks and it's it's really incredible too when you look at it i think you know we've seen a couple people say it but um eight and four eight and four now look we can all, we can go all the way back mike i remember after the georgia game you were on the post game show with me and we said that it was going to take some time this year before things could really get into the swing of things. Now, with that being said, there's definitely some things on offense that throughout the course of the season, we saw it against Missouri. We saw it against Florida um, where you were like, where is it? 
Where is it? Okay. And rightfully so. That's part of the game, right? That's what happens when you play big boy football. You're playing in the SEC. People are going to want to hold you accountable. We get that. But what South Carolina did last week against Tennessee and then today, and look, you know, there were some moments, and I was saying it early in the game, uh, talking to some of the former players between text messages. Some of the things I was saying, Mike, was I felt like the pass pro wasn't that great today. But you know what, though? When they needed it most, they found ways to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that defense, too. Look, when you go up against a good defense like Clemson, you're not going to be able to move the football the way that they did against Tennessee by any means, right? It's going to take some time. There were some boneheaded plays out there. I'm sure that, you know, Spencer in particular would like to have back. And I'm sure some of the guys, you know, miss some blocks in the perimeter. But at the end of the day, this team did enough. The defense did enough. Special teams. I mean, what more can you say? Absolutely incredible. Oh, no doubt. I, I, and one thing I, I liked at the end was when it was third and short or third and mediums and the game was on the line, they put it in Spencer's hand. And while we didn't get a lot of the first downs in those moments, the trust they had in that passing offense in Spencer, I think is just, it's fantastic to see because previously we probably would have just gotten him now a, a run from Marshawn or um, Jaheim Bell in the backyard, in the backfield and nothing would have happened. But Seeing that they said, hey, we trust this offense enough in this past game to make it happen. While it didn't happen, I just I love seeing that confidence in the past game because it's been it's been on fire these past two weeks. Well, we're going to add in that number so people can get calling. It looks like someone may be calling right now. So I'll let intern Joe handle that. Um, so before we get into really the next thing, you know, I really don't want to get too deep uh, as we wait for this caller. But look, and, and, I, and I said this earlier, too. Nate Atkins, the performance that he had today, I mean, he kind of looked like Mark Bavaro out there. I know we can make the, uh, you know, the Pat DeMarco comparisons, certainly. Gamecock fans will enjoy that. But um, it was only fitting that he made a big play at the end of the game on special. We have Rush on the line. Rush, you're on the GC Live post. Yes, sir. Hey, man, uh, we got me and another buddy here just been waiting a long, long time for this day to come, man. How are y'all feeling today? Unreal, man. I'm good. I'm mad that I'm not down in South Carolina. I gotta. I'm gonna be talking about the Patriots and Bruins and all that stuff in a little bit, which I'm excited to do. But I mean, goodness, what a day! I, I think these rivals go a little bit deeper than that up there. I'm not gonna lie to you. I will have to say that. All right, Carolina beating Clemson today, man. That's a long time coming. Gamecocks, Beamer ball, we already know we got it. No, no question about it, Rush. Appreciate you calling into the program. And, Mike, one thing I do want to bring up, because it's crazy. It absolutely is crazy when you think about it. The last time South Carolina played a game at Clemson was 2018, right? That yeah. was your last year. So yeah. I'm, bringing, I'm bringing that up because I'm trying to think. I'm trying to do the math in my head here. Some of the super senior six-year guys, I don't know, was Joyner – a freshman your senior year, or did he just miss you? I'm trying to remember here. No, I played one or two seasons with Joyner. Okay, so I know one year, and then I think you played two seasons with Brad Johnson, Eric Douglas. I bring that up, right? And it could so be off year two. The, the reason I'm bringing that up, Mike, obviously one for you, right, as an alum, but for those guys that had never beat Clemson before, had never beat Clemson, how special is it to be able to see them go do that, especially – in their backyard, a place that they hadn't lost a home game since 2016. It's fantastic. Like, you know, you come to Carolina, 
even if you're not you didn't grow up a Carolina fan, you you buy into the rivalry of the state. You buy into the, the culture of the fans, everybody that you're interacting with every day of the year. It's always about Carolina Clemson. You know, the other games obviously matter and fans care about that, but it's ingrained in you from the moment you become a gamecock, whether that's as a child or that whether that's your freshman year of college. It doesn't matter. So these kids, these guys, it's just it's so ingrained in them. And you saw the passion. There was a different like energy there's a different um like fight about them out there you saw the players on the sideline talking smack there was multiple times i almost thought there were fights gonna break out how many times did we see that this season very rarely there was a different type of you know how they want to say dog and dog mentality in those players today they were they were on fire they were amped up and they knew how special this moment was and when they got a little bit of blood in the water from clemson they took full advantage of it because they were tasting the blood in the water clemson was making mistakes. They weren't driving the ball on offense a lot, very efficiently. And our offense and our defense, hell, even our special team, they knew about that. They saw it. They took full advantage of it. And I know they are just uh, – everyone was texting me, give give Beamer a lifetime contract. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks ago, people wanted him fired. All right? uh, you know, he's not going to get rid of his buddy Satterfield. You know what? Beamer's got to go to. It's amazing what happens two weeks later. And look, and we're waiting for, I think we have the phone call now. Um, right before I hop into it, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at, man, there's a possibility that South Carolina could lose these next three games. They lose against Florida. And what happens? They beat the two games. I think a lot of people wrote them off uh, heading into. Zach's on the line. Zach, you're on the GC Live post game show. Oh, my God. Let's freaking go. I'm, I'm just so happy for all the seniors, for the team, for everybody. What a win. Clayton White, give that man whatever he wants. Oh, my gosh. Marcus Steinfield. You know, he called the, also called a really good game. I, I just don't know what to say. That's lost of words. This is incredible right now. Zach, we appreciate you calling in. And uh, I'm definitely going to have, you know, two things I want to pull up here. Mike, you were wrong. I was. I was. Now, I try to do a little, you know, like Jedi with my picks this week, mind tricks. I picked against South Carolina, having them cover since I did that last week against Tennessee. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to win today. I really didn't. And I think the main reason why is because we've been waiting, we've been waiting to see consistency. And these are two of the better teams they've played all season. So give this team a lot of credit. Give this coaching uh, staff a lot of credit. I think it starts with the coaching staff more than anything. Um, trying to get that mentality, right, Mike? I mean, we've seen before, and I know Beamer has mentioned it this year, this isn't the old Gamecocks, right? This and that. I understand what he's trying to get at, but until you do it, right? Until you do it, I think naturally that's what it is. It's not fair to that coaching staff. It's not fair to those players, but you need to be able to get over those little hurdles. They've had many victories throughout the year, right? They've been able to do first or things that haven't been done in quite some time. To be able to do this now I mean, man, you're talking about the trajectory of the program. You're talking about where this program can go when you're going out there. You're talking to recruits about the the vision that you have for the program. It's one thing to say, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing, right? To have that blueprint model um, that you have right in the in the in the uh, in the wood shop, right? This is what I dream of, right? Beautiful house, do this and that. But once that foundation starts to get built and then you're able to see that first level of the house and you're slowly able to keep building and building, recruits are able to say, you know what, it's not just smoke and mirrors. And we saw that today. And, um, you know, defensively, I, I thought at times they were outflanked on the corner. 
Um, but you know what though, man, they, they, what they did a real good job of Mike is, and I want you just to talk about it from an offensive standpoint, when you watch it, being able to be in situations like that, where you trust, you trust your outside linebackers or Nichols or whoever, depending on, you know, the situation where DJ would keep it, it's one-on-one. And even though that, that looks a little scary, I think what that shows you is that Clayton White has confidence in his players to be able to make open field tackles. Yeah, completely. Because, you know, they were, they were dialing up blitzes and they were putting people one-on-one back there. And you're right. When DJ's running the ball, he's a big, fast guy. And he's hard to bring down. And when you're doing the one-on-one tackles with no one behind, if you miss that tackle, and let's <laughs> be real, recently we haven't been a great tackling team. Outside of probably Tennessee game in this game, you know, we've looked shaky with one-on-one tackles in the open field. But that just goes to show either what happened in practice this week or what happened with the game last week. White saw the confidence that he had in his players, and he saw that these guys were playing with a different energy. And they were ready for the, they were ready for the challenge of a big, fast quarterback that were coming downfield one-on-one. And if that was the challenge he had for his defense, they took full advantage of it. They took the opportunity to take him down. And I think Clayton White will go in a locker room and be like, guys, you you far exceeded my expectations for what our defense could have done. What is this right now? Intern Joe. Cam Smith is live from the locker room. If you guys have over to his Instagram. No, we don't. Can't. Intern Joe, we're supposed to keep people here watching the show. Unbelievable. Right, 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 right. right. People away. Unbelievable. We're trying to show you could show it on your phone, intern Joe. You know what? I do want to have intern Joe hop on in a second because um, we, we're getting intern Joe love here. Uh, what a night. What a night for, you know, I can I only the- imagine. I can only imagine, Mike, what it's like for these seniors. Uh, obviously, as players, just let go to the games. You know, I mean, the, the support by the fan base this season, that's not saying in the past it hasn't been there. But to sell out every home game this year, minus the one where the Hurricane changed up the schedule as a Thursday night game, to sell out every game through the highs and lows, starting the year off one and two, I mean, these students deserve a lot of credit. A lot yeah. of credit. No doubt. It looks, like, it looks like we got a phone call. Rashawn's on the line. How we doing, Rashawn? Man, I'm doing awesome, man. This, this, this day is better than Christmas, man. <laughs> yeah. But what I wanted to say was, if you really think about the magnitude of this game and the hope and expectations that people had, this game was better than the 2010 game when Stephen Garcia beat Alabama. Well, I think, you know what, and, and Rashawn, I don't want to drop you from the call yet because I want you to have your response. We mentioned it last week with Tennessee. I still think that Alabama game, you know, in terms of the magnitude, what it meant for the program, was it a bigger upset? No, in my opinion, just because the talent, you had the talent, you had the Alshons of the world, you had the Marcus Lattimore's of the world. But when you talk about importance for a program, I still think that Alabama win was bigger. But today, I think it's not only bigger than last week's win against Tennessee, I think it's even bigger because it's your in-state rival. You end a streak. You're trying to change the perception of just this program. Right, right, right. And, and, and you know, it's really a double-edged sword. It's really a double-edged sword because of the type of talent that Alabama had back in 2010 and the type of team that we had versus the type of talent that Clemson has now and the type of team that we have now with only a second-year head coach. So, so yes, it's a double-edged sword. But at the same time, I truly believe that, that this had bigger implications now than back then. This okay. is serious, man. And uh, we, we are seriously on the upswing, and we ain't going to do nothing but get better from here on. 
Well, I appreciate it. I'm uh, doing double duty here. Put it this way. This is going to be a little spoiler because I don't want to say the name yet. We have a very, very, very special guest for Mixing a Water Monday um, who I've been texting going back to last week. They said they will not come on unless they beat Clemson this week. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. I'll tell you guys. I'll shoot uh, in the private message for uh, for Scar and Joe. Um, but the reason I don't want to say it yet is because I want to make sure that we get it. Um so with that all being said, intern Joe's face. Look at intern Joe's face. <laughs> um, let's keep it rolling, though. Mike, um, offensively, though, I mentioned I mentioned the pass pro. I know we have another call. We'll get to that in a second, so we'll try to keep it tight. But what, what did you see, though, as the course of the game played out, right? Like I mentioned before, the pass protection maybe wasn't great at times, but they did find ways as the game went on to give themselves a chance. And it looked like they got better at times. Yeah. And so early on, they tried to establish in the run game with Lloyd and Bell, and it just wasn't working. And so usually when that happens, we've seen our offense just fall apart, where if we can't get the run game, our pass game just hasn't gotten going, especially with the types with good defenses and good DBs. And Clemson has good defense. So I was a little worried at first. I was like, man, I don't know if we're going to drive the ball. But we started doing the one-on-ones. Our receivers have gotten the confidence to win those one-on-ones. It's it's not what we saw early on in the season where our receivers weren't winning one-on-one matchups, whether it's contested catchers or just getting open where Spencer can – because let's be real, everyone has seen it now. Spencer has the arm to hit any receiver across the field, whether he's late or early. He's got a strong arm, and he's got probably got one of the best deep balls in the nation. We have saw it multiple times in this game on big shot plays. And I know I've scolded Satterfield so many times – on just taking so many deep shots and the long developing plays. But if it's working, it's working. Spencer was hitting his shots. He wasn't missing deep at all. And the receivers were making the big step. They were making separation. They were making the big catches. So I don't see why to not keep going to it. And they were. Also, Wells was just dynamic on the side, whether that was through a swing rod, a motion, whatever it was. Wells was he's been playing out of his mind these past two weeks. I think they need to continually get the ball to him, especially going on in the bowl or going into the bowl game. He's been different. Um, Bell's also been playing very well, but uh, is it Atkins? Atkins. I mean, that catch he had huge momentum changer because I wouldn't say a momentum changer, but just a momentum adder. Because he doesn't make that. I think it was third and seven. Well, Mike, you 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 see it. I'm not trying to say that Nate Atkins isn't athletic, but let's call for what it is. I don't think a lot of people look at Nate and expect him to be going out there making, you know, OBJ style catches. He's been a phenomenal blocker. He's been yeah. a phenomenal player on special teams, which as we saw at the end of the game, that that iced it. Huge play. But yeah. to be able to go do that. So I bring that up because as a quarterback, when you see and it looks like we, we have Christopher here. So I want to I want you to hold your thought on it, Mike. But I want to ask you your thought, though, when you go out there and you see a guy like Nate make a play like that, it's just like, wait a minute. I'm not saying we're not, you know, I don't think he can do something, but holy cow. Yeah, you know, yeah. Chris, you're on the GC Live postgame show. Hey, guys, man. First of all, I just want to remember when I called y'all when we had lost at Florida. And I told y'all, man, that everybody was, you know, jumping the gun and you know, get down on this team. Man, we have extremely good players and talent, man. Everybody's overlooking us. They don't need to overlook us no more, man. Spencer Rattler is a beast. Everybody wanted to bitch that boy. That boy 
is a good quarterback, man, the whole team. But I really want to give props where it's needed, and that's our special teams. When we put in two points and we put it in and they were down on their own one, man, it was just extraordinary. Good win for Gamecock Nation. No question about it. We appreciate that, Chris. And I'm going to get to intern Joe in a second. But, Mike, just, just your thoughts on that. When You know what I mean? Like, you see a player, it's like, all right, we know he's a talented guy, but we're not expecting him to be able to make a play like that. What can that do for not just the offense, but for the team when you see a player go out there and do something like that? You talking about Atkins catch? Yeah, just what it can do in terms of just being able to create energy and just being able to feed off of that. Yeah, I mean, because you put yourself now in the red zone. You have an opportunity to score and – and rebound. I don't know if we were down 14-0 at that point. We might have been. But, you know, that huge catch, it gives them momentum because you're like, okay, guys, we're back in this. Because you have to punt it. If Clemson goes down and scores again, you might be down 21-0. And that's hard to come back from for whoever you are and whatever opponent you're facing. So plays like that, which are unexpected, you don't rely on them, but they happen, are sometimes huge for teams. Because they're like, okay, drive's alive. We can continue to do what we do. Let's score, get back into this game. And that's exactly what happened. I may be wrong. I think we were down 14-0 when that happened. But when those plays happen, somebody like that, the offense is like, you know what? Let's keep doing this. We have this. These guys are not – they're not better than us. We can continually play the game. Um, And I love seeing it. I think another thing that I wanted to see personally that we haven't really seen all season was – and I think a lot of people have talked about this – night game versus 3.30 in noon games. We're 7-0, now 8-0. But we're 7-0 in night games. And we are what? Oh, and had one, one had not one. They were, they were over going into today. And I was concerned. I was like, you know what? This team doesn't know how to play in, w- without the crowd, without the crowd's energy. And I was like, if we don't have the crowd's energy, how are they going to play? Cause they haven't played well at all. And so I was concerned. I wanted to see how they were going to respond going into this game, especially carrying the momentum from Tennessee. And I think they looked fantastic. They answered that question. Well, we have a very, we have a very, very special Guest on the line right now on the GC Live post game show, the very, very first Gamecock ever drafted in the first round, former Gamecock defensive back Rick Sanford. Rick, how are you feeling right now after that? Ecstatic, man. Ecstatic. What a victory and what a performance. And for all the people that have criticized Marcus Satterfield for the last two weeks, I don't know what's happened, but boy, he's come up with some fantastic game plans. We also have former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnacki. And Mike, not sure if you want to ask uh, Rick a question. Man, I have nothing. How how you feeling, though, Rick? Because that was awesome. We haven't beat them in, what, eight uh, years? I tell you, that that was amazing. I mean, that was amazing. And, and you know what? I loved what Shane said after the game uh, to the, to the um, people interviewing him and talking about you know, we've got a good football team, and they do have a good football team. And when they let it hang out like that, I tell you, there's nothing but positive that I see for South Carolina's future right now. No doubt. I have another question for Rick real quick, if you don't mind, Mike. Rick, how do you like the uh, the swagger that the DBs have been playing with these past two weeks? Well, I love it. I mean, I love it. I think that, you know, to play that position, you know what it takes. I mean, you've got to be a tough kid and you've got to be smart. And there's a, there's a, so many intangibles that go along with playing the position. But I love the way the kids have responded and uh, – you know, just you know, to see what they did second half defensively compared to the first half, they really made a lot of adjustments back there, did a lot of good things. And, you know, when you look at uh, what they did to hold Clemson, I think DJ was under 100 yards or right around 100 yards passing today. That's not very good, but that, 
you know, you got to give South Carolina's uh, players credit for that. That's right. And Rick, we were talking about this a little bit before, but just from a player standpoint, from a defensive player, whether you play outside linebacker, edge, nickel, right? There was a lot of times we saw South Carolina put themselves in a situation where, you know, if DJ broke a tackle, he was probably going to get a big game. And uh, just the confidence that Clayton White had with his guys to essentially put him on in an island if DJ kept it, and they, they did a good job of containing him. As a, as a defensive player, when your coach puts you in a situation like that, just that trust, number one, what's kind of going through your mind? And to just be able to see what they did today, you know, what, what, what can you say about that? Well, I think what they did, and in my opinion, I thought they, they tried to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and try to take away some of the, the running game with Shipley. I know he had a lot of yards in the first half particularly. Uh, didn't get as many in the second half, obviously. But I think they tried to do something to try to contain that inside running game. And then all of a sudden, you know, Clemson couldn't run the ball outside. They, they just couldn't couldn't get any anything going. And that certainly speaks well to South Carolina's players and the tackling ability of what they did over there. So I, I applaud Clayton White. I thought he did a heck of a job the second half. And, you know, I kept uh, telling my wife, I said, you know, if, if, they, if they could stop them on defense here a couple of times and talk about get the ball back and score, I, I think we can win this game. And, and lo and behold, that's just what happened. I'm going to let intern Joe ask a question. He's a senior. He's all fired up. I don't know if he's going to sleep tonight. If uh, if if he's down in five points, Rick, you know, we might have to send a, a nanny on him. So I'm going to let him ask a question. <laughs> Rick, I just wanted, right. just wanted to ask, I mean, being a, a veteran of this, I guess, program, being around the program for a while, I'm relatively new to this, being from South Bend. What does this mean, like, to break, like, the seven-year streak and to get back in the win column against Clemson and let alone in Death Valley? What does it mean for the program and then recruiting and Beaver going forward? Well, I think it's all positive. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, now you have eight wins with a chance to win nine games, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a tremendous accomplishment for this football team. You know, would you have said that after the Florida game? I don't think anybody would have said that. Uh, but when you look at what they've done this last couple of weeks, I, I don't know that if, if in the history of the program is South Carolina's ever beaten two teams that were in the top ten back-to-back. You know, so, you know, you talk about moving forward – and I applaud Shane. I, I think the way that he his approach is with these players, he never gave up. I mean, he never gave up on those kids after the Florida game. And it was obvious. And I, and I think, you know, he does a great job of just telling his kids to, you know, just ignore the noise out there. Don't worry about it. You know, he's a great supporter of those kids. And, boy, South Carolina uh, picked, a, picked a gem of a head coach, if you ask me, and Shane Beaver. Well, Rick, we appreciate you calling into the program, my friend. Uh, again, very first Gamecock ever drafted in the first round in program history, a special day for every Gamecock alum. We appreciate you calling in, Rick. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mike, and I hope you all have a great show, buddy. Thank you. All right, you take care. Rick Sanford, always good, man, to have some greats calling in. And, and Mike, we talked about it before about those seniors, but, you know, for players like yourself, I mean, this this rivalry, and you kind of hit upon it before – but you hear a guy like Rick, you know, that was that was back in the 70s. And that sports hate that he has for that program, it's still strong. And, you know, this is a moment that these kids are going to remember forever to be able to, to be the ones that ended the streak. Oh, no doubt. You know, for future, I'll talk about past people, past, people who have yeah. played for the program, like me and others. 
who have been a part of that losing streak against Clemson. You know, a lot of times I think you just kind of get numb inside. You're like, we're probably going to lose this game again. We're going to do something to blow it. And another win and go or another season goes by where we don't beat Clemson. And I think the, that streak kind of created a numbness in a lot of game cognition and a lot of the players, the former players, at least obviously not the current, but you're just, you're hopeful, but you're not really hopeful, but seeing the win, you're like, man, finally, it's almost a relief for you, for the former players, for the current players, for the entire Gamecock Nation, because now you see we can do it. There's no Gamecock curse on us. We have the ability to beat these teams, and we're showing it more and more. This team is easily, a, should be a 10 or 11 win team this season if they could have played like this the entire season. But we haven't, and we're at where we're at. But we're in the best possible position we could be at considering where we're at after Florida. Well, we have Mike on the line. Mike, you're on the GC Live postgame show. Thanks for waiting. Hey, I appreciate you guys. This is uh, this is definitely the biggest win of, of my lifetime. I would have to say, you know, I I was live during the Alabama win, but it was in my high school days. So to have gone to college and have seen us lose so many times to Clemson and make the trip up to the USC, not being from there, you know, being a fan, and then for us finally, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, and the refs weren't helping us out at all, but. To finally, you know, get a get a dub against them is such a big thing. I can talk to all my cousins and, and my family that's just been hounding on me for being a fan, you know, to finally finally get over that hump. And I can't I can't support Beamer anymore, you know. Beamer is is that dude. Like he just loves this team. So I don't really know how much other to say than that. It's just, it was an emotional day in a way. I mean, I thought I thought I thought, I thought the Carolina football curse might come through. But to see them to close it out with Beamer Ball was just icing on the cake. I mean, I'm texting my dad about this. He was a alumni from, you know, 85. So, you know, it means everything to us as fans. That's all I have to say. So, appreciate all taking my call. All right, Mike. Appreciate you calling into the program. I think we're going to hear a lot about that, right? Just the perception about Beamer. And, Mike, I can go back. I mean, it's – shoot, next week I believe will mark two years since Beamer was hired. And, and I bring that up because there were some people that were skeptical about the hire, right? Hadn't been a head coach before, hadn't been a coordinator anywhere else. Was he just being hired because he was a name and he had ties to the program because he worked under Spurrier when he was younger as a grad assistant, right? So I, I think, you know, over these last two years, when there have been low points, right, there's going to be growing pain. So it's first season. It's difficult to really say, okay, right? But – during the low points of this season, I think there were a lot of people, I don't know if a lot, you know, maybe that midway point, right? I wasn't great at math. But I think there were a good amount of people that questioned the hire. And it was like, wait a minute, okay. And then you see the people, and you probably see this, Mike, and I always laugh, comparing it to Muschamp, comparing it to this coach. Well, this is how many wins he had through this many games. And this is how many right? So, look, if there was any, any any question about whether Beamer was the right guy to hire or not. And I think this should be added too. When you're the athletic director, when you're the assistant athletic director, because of the job, right? The territory comes with it. You will take a lot of scrutiny. It comes with the job. When things don't go well, it comes with the job. But in this situation, Ray Tanner, Chance Miller, they deserve a lot of credit. They deserve a lot of credit for this hire. And Beamer's proving it over the last two years, but especially these last two weeks, 
that he was the right man for the job. And boy, I can only imagine what this does now just for the perception, Mike, of just what they're trying to build over there now. Oh, no doubt. So, you know, outside of probably Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, the newer style coaches are the ones who are good CEOs of an organization, the ones who can delegate and trust their offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coach, because they're it, it seems like nowadays people aren't just buying into the my way or the highway kind of kind of style of coaching. And, you know, it's been successful for Dabo as much as the fans don't want to hear it. But that CEO style delegation Beamer came in and I figured, OK, if he knows how to delegate work, but he can also make the tough decisions and also bring his coaches back into a good mindset where they need to be, which I think is exactly what he did with Satterfield, then he's going to be great for this organization. He's already come in and he's shown an excitement. He's built an excitement around this organization for both the fans and the recruits. That's already a positive. The question was going to be whether he can make the tough decisions when it comes to the coaches he hires or fires. And Mm -hmm. people were getting skeptical about that when Satterfield wasn't playing and he was still backing him. And you know what? I'm glad he didn't listen to the fans. I'm glad he didn't listen to the media and everybody talking about Satterfield because yeah, Satterfield, we're a bunch of schmucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Satterfield proved us wrong. And hopefully Satterfield continues well, to prove us wrong. I well, wonder. Mike, I, I, the reason I want to cut you off because I wanna I wanna just bring this up because you know I think it just fits perfect right now. What what does Beamer do with Satterfield now? You gotta keep him. I, I mean, I think you have to. He hasn't given a reason these past two weeks against the toughest opponents outside of Georgia we've played entire season. And we've looked fantastic on offense. You know, our run games looked shaky this game, but it looked pretty good last game. But our past game has been just on fire. And there's only one person to attribute that to. And that's, you know, you can have an amazing QB, but if you're not calling good plays or your receivers aren't getting open, it doesn't matter how good your QB is back there. You know, Satterfield was helping the receivers, helping – Spencer find the open man find you know build plays that can get somebody open and I don't know if it's new playbooks or if he just went back to the simple nature of day one install and so you know what let's scrap week two of install let's go day one and it worked if that's what it happened it whatever happened it worked and we need to give Satterfield credit and who knows how much influence Beamer had on Satterfield too like hey let's dial it back because right now it's not working you're overthinking we need you to focus on what the Paul, the, cl- the play call is going to be the next play. Because I heard from people that Satterfield was too focused, and this is a lot of times offensive coordinators who stand on the sideline. They're too focused on the previous play. They get caught up with what happened. They're trying to overanalyze all that instead of focusing on what's next. And I heard he decided, you know what, I'm going to let the previous play go and start focusing on what the next call is going to be. And if that's true and that's what he's been doing, it's been fantastic. Well, intern Joe's on the line here. Intern Joe, you got something nice we can cue up here. This is uh, from just a little while ago inside the Gamecock locker room. So why don't you cue that up here, Joe? Oh, yeah. So, Mike, I mean, it's 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 a big vibe. I mean, again, what 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 a day to be Spencer Rattler. What a, first, what a couple weeks to be Spencer Rattler. I mean, seriously, man, the, the guy's having the time of his life. Look at that <laughs> smile. Look at that smile. Throwing for 300-some-odd yards like – I. You couldn't have dreamed it up any better for a closing on, you know, your Carolina career if you're Spencer, honestly, for to win. And Mike, to... And Mike just as a quarterback, though, right, he has the interception early on. And I'm sure, you know, when you're a quarterback, I'm sure you could think back, it's probably some throws early in games that get away from you. And it's real easy to kind of just be like, all right, it's going to be one of those days. Can you just talk about his mental toughness to be able to bounce back from that? And sorry to cut you off, Joe. We'll get back to you in a second. Yeah. So, 
they were doing a running back motion and they're trying to throw a slant behind. Fantastic play call with how Clemson was running their plays or running their defense. The defense was flowing to the, the motion and it was going to be a huge play. Spencer just did not see the linebacker flowing along with the running back who realistically that linebacker shouldn't have been flowing, but he did. And Spencer didn't see it. And it was a pick six. And, you know, pick sixes usually have a, a bigger hit to a person's mentality going to the game than just a regular pick. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, dang, I just gave up points. That's going to hurt our team. A pick, you can still rely on your defense to make a stop. But a pick six, it, it hurts more your mentality. But I'll tell you, he trusted the process. He trusted his arm. And he trusted his receivers in the, in the game plan. And he went out and he let it go. And he kept playing. Now, did he make another huge mistake on the one-yard line? Yes. Sometimes when you have a talented arm, you try making plays that aren't there. And it is what it is. You're gonna If you're going to have quarterbacks who have very talented arms, they're going to make plays that they think they can make. And it's just not the case. That one wasn't the case. That one was just a simple, he didn't see the linebackers flowing with the running back. And that is what it is. But as a QB, you either are going to – it dictates the sideline. It dictates what's going to happen on the entire sideline for both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. The players look at the QB. I've always said this. The players look at what energy you bring, what kind of mentality you have on the sideline. He didn't get down at all on that sideline. The players looked to him and said, we got this. Let's keep going. You saw it on the side on the time when there was any mistake. This culture that Beamer has built, the players build each other up. The coaches build each other up. They all say they have each other's back. You can watch it when the, they're showing the sidelines when there's a mistake. It's obvious. And I think Spencer has, again, bought into that culture and he has the mentality to trust the process and, and trust the scheme. Yeah, in turn, Joe did pick the game, Cox. You know, I got cocky this week. You know, I was feeling real good about my picks. Eight and one last week. And I, I, like I said, I put it out there. What are you doing over there, Tarzan Come boy? On, boss. You yeah. know, I, so Shane talked about it last week. He's like, you guys are horrible pickers. I read some of your guys' picks in the hotel, so I wasn't. Hey, I was the only – me and Hale were the only were the only two that at least had them covering, all right? Everyone had them losing last week. But I yeah. will say I will say this, though. Again, it's not – I wanted to believe that South Carolina could win today. Bottom line is I picked against them. I'm not trying to, like, put my – you know, put your brain as a, in a mental pretzel. What I'm trying to get at is this – these are the hurdles, and, and Scar kind of brought up that you can win games like this. That's been the issue in the past. We mentioned about close games or games that start to slip away. And how many times, how many times have we seen Clemson over the last couple of years be in situations like they were today, right? And they find ways to pull that friggin' horseshoe out of their ass. We've seen it happen over and over and over. If they don't have the type of game, and this is South Carolina, that is, if they don't have the type of game against and you could even go back to ECU last year, but I'm strictly speaking about this year. If you don't have or Vandy last year, if you don't have the type of performance against the Kentuckys of the world, if you don't have the type of performance against Texas A&M, being able to find ways to close games out, I don't think South Carolina wins today. I really don't. And uh, maybe, you know, last year's team, two years ago, whatever. I know they had someone they, they pulled out last year, but the last couple of years, I don't know if they win those games. It's a mentality. It's a mentality. Mike, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but when you're in a situation like that and you're up by two scores, and I know South Carolina wasn't leading today, but they found ways to be able to at least get that lead late in the game, that feeling that fans have, oh, here we go again, oh, they're going to get – that's something real that players feel. And until you can convince yourself that, hey, you know what? No, we're fine. And I feel like Clemson's been able to do that in the past. South Carolina – They've built confidence up earlier in the season because they were in situations that were similar. 
And because of that, when they were put in a situation today, whether it be down by a couple points or leading by one, playing with that, that, that lead, they weren't phased by it. And they were able to find a way to get the job done. Yeah. And there were several times in the game when we should have easily had turnovers on DJ and we just, it wasn't going our way. And I was just like, this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to get away with the easy turnovers we should have and then go down and score. And we're going to be behind, but I will say, I don't like knocking players, mm-hmm. but I don't know what Dabo sees in him. And I'm glad. I'm very glad Dabo kept him in the entire game. We had him rattled the entire second half. DJ couldn't throw a swing route. The guy didn't know how to throw a ball after that. We started blitzing him. I think Clayton White saw it too. Clayton White said, you know what? Confidence thing, Mike. I mean, I don't know how much you follow DJ because I feel like, you know, at times he's looked pretty good. But he seems like he's, you know, um, he's kind of took steps backwards over the last two years. Yeah, I, it's got to be. You know, I've seen confidence either kill players' ability to play who have been very talented, or I've seen it elevate players who are average to become amazing players. Confidence can make or break a lot of people, especially people who play on their emotions. And there's a lot of kids who play college football on their emotions, the highs and the lows, just the energy of the crowd, how they're playing in a game. And DJ may be one of those guys. And, you know, he just hasn't been playing. When you're in a slump and nothing's going your way, it's hard to get out of it because you're now in your head. Your confidence is low, and that's probably what's happening. But you know what? It's no excuse for how they played. We also came out there, took full advantage of how he was playing. We knew their run game was going to be their strong suit, and it was their strong suit. But there were many times that we we bent but didn't break. And that saved us a lot of times in the game. Our defense made some big plays. We gotten, we continually got in DJ's head, and they said, you know what? We have a quarterback who has low confidence that we're facing. Let's go one-on-one matchups. Tell him, hey, this game's on you. You have to beat us. Not your run game, you. And he couldn't do it today. And I mm-hmm. think our defensive coordinator knew that full and well, and he took full advantage of it. Intern Joe, what's your thoughts? I haven't yeah. had a chance to really talk to you too much, bud. You've been oh, with the phone line, so we appreciate yeah, you. Look, I love to hear it. But yeah, no, Scar, I agree with you completely. You know, DJ was really, really, really rattled in South Bend, and that's why they won that game. Um, they they went to Klubnik for a little bit just because you know he wasn't playing that well, and I, I saw it in the second half where DJ was overthrowing receivers. And you know, I love Cam Smith and Darius Rush, but they got smoked a couple times today. You know, you saw it. A little bit, and, um, you know, I just I, – I agree with you. I think DJ did not play up to the standards that, you know, he had been in other ACC games. And I also think, you know, too, that Clayton White designed, you know, the game plan around that, the rattle factor, if you will. He sent a lot of pressure. He let Cam Smith and Darius Rush get out on an island, which is why they got smoked. And granted, like, every cornerback gets beat, Mike. I mean, you know that as well as I do, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of why that happened. But, you know, Clayton White designed it against, you know, or for, you know, DJ getting rattled. You know, I think, you know, sending guys as much as Dabo did almost. It was what Dabo was trying to do to Spencer, but Spencer's the superior quarterback. You know, we talked about the similarities of, um, you know, the two coming in and just Spencer played so much better than DJ. And Spencer, he's he, what, he's proved once again that he's not a momentum quarterback. Like, you know, people, you know, were saying he was kind of coming into this. And so, you know, Scar, I think you hit the nail on the head there with DJ being, you know, kind of a play up or play down with the momentum. And Clayton White's scheme was designed around that. And I love to see it. Yeah. And it was, look, 
A um, couple things I just want to add. I don't know if Shane Beamer's press conference has begun. Obviously, we've talked about before, but if you're new to the program, we have plenty of people that are watching us right now, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We appreciate you guys. Um, keep those comments coming in. Keep calling in if you want. We'll get to you guys. Um, but we can't show the post-game show because of you know the copyrights that they have and all that kind of stuff with the university. But I bring that up because um, if we do have an update, on some of the injuries on Josh Fan, and you hope that he's all right. We know what this year means to him. I, I saw a question from someone, does Josh have any more eligibility left? Unfortunately, he doesn't. Um, unfortunately, Josh doesn't. Um, and we knew that him coming back this season, you know, with Emma, with uh, NIL was an awesome opportunity to be able to make some money while being able to raise your draft stock. Um, having a baby girl, trying to be able to take care of her as well. And his family does a tremendous job of being able to help him out right now. But um, that was important to him. That was important to him. So um, you just pray for the future of Josh is, you know, in his career, but just as a person in the short term that he's all right, because he does things the right way. He's a, uh, he epitomizes what being a Gamecock and not just the Gamecock, but being a hardworking uh, college football player is all about. Um the other thing I do want to get into, guys, is what this win means for South Carolina. Now, we're going to have to wait and see how things play out, of course. I mean, if LSU creates a popsicle headache and somehow gets into the college football playoff, that could even shuffle things up even more um, if there's two SEC teams. That's you know saying that LSU beats Georgia and then you know both the teams make the college football playoff. I bring that up because – Right now, and I've seen this question asked a couple times, that's the reason I'm bringing it up, it looks like South Carolina is either going to go play in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville or they're going to go play in the Citrus Bowl. With their win today, it's looking better that USC will play in that Citrus Bowl. We're going to have to wait and see, though. I don't want to say, like, you know, hey, Mike said they're playing in the Citrus Bowl. That's why I'm, I'm talking the way I am because – you just never know with these things. There's an order, right, in terms of, okay, this team goes first, that team goes second. The fact that South Carolina won today, that helps their chances. But at the same time, too, they're going to have to wait to see how things play out. Um, if I'm the Citrus Bowl committee, especially with what's took place over the last two weeks and depending on who's there, I mean, man, why wouldn't you want to take South Carolina? You know their fans are going to travel well because they're feeling freaking good about themselves. They just beat Tennessee. They just beat Clemson, two top 10 teams. Why wouldn't you? Mike, to be able to get to the freaking Citrus Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, no disrespect to the Gator Bowl, okay? No disrespect to our guys Hayden Hurst and Perry Orth and the beautiful Jacksonville community. But to be able to go play in the Citrus Bowl, what would this mean? Year two under Shane Beamer. Oh, it'd be huge. You get more national recognition for a team. You're going to face an even better opponent in the Citrus Bowl. And those two things added up, that's going to bring a huge recognition nationally for when it comes to recruits looking at our program. And then if we play well in that bowl game, because it's going to be nationally televised like most bowl games are, but that one's going to have more hype around it because we're also going to be facing a better opponent. And so people, recruits, people are going to be watching that game. They're going to see how we respond, how we play in that game. And I think recruits are saying, hey, what's going on over at Carolina? You know, first off, we had a five-star transfer from Oklahoma come as quarterback. Then we had a four-star tight end come. And then we had some other recruits. You know, you see everybody seeing what, what's going on in this small state of South Carolina over here. What's Beamer doing? And I think he's doing exactly that. I think he's building a national hype around our program. And I think that's exactly what the Citrus Bowl will add to, is a more of a national hype when it comes to just one recognition 
from, you know, college football playoff committee, the recruiting, the rate, the rating, the rankings. And then when recruits are looking at us, they're going to say, Hey, Clemson doesn't look to be on the uphill like they used to be. They don't seem to just be dominating like they always were. It looks like Carolina's they're, they're turning a page. They're starting to become that program. And that's going to help both with one in, in, in state recruits and national recruits. And I think it's fantastic. I'll tell you what, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk with some of the recruits um, yet. I've seen a message or two saying, you know, they're feeling good about another big time commitment now. Uh, won't say names. I think people will start trying to connect dots for me. Um, but I say that because, yeah, I mean, and, and we said this at the beginning of the season, right, Mike? When you look at this year, and I've said this before, I had South Carolina gang to eight wins. <clears throat> not to brag. Now, granted, I did pick against them this week and last week, so I'm a hand bone. I'll give, give me the L. But I bring that up because at the beginning of the year, as I mentioned, I said, I understand how easy it is to look at the wins and losses because at the end of the day, that's how a coach gets judged, gets judged, right? Especially on uh, the outside from a fan base, the boosters. But I brought that up because I felt like more than anything, it was more so just showing some type of consistency, some type of consistency that it wasn't that you weren't taking a step back, that it wasn't just smoke and mirrors and everything that they were trying to do in the off season, the hoopla and just the, the level of excitement that was buzzing in Columbia this offseason, all the way back to when they landed Spencer Rattler to beating North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl to landing Juice Wells and being able to build and get more. It was just something special. And then they get into the season. It's like, okay, now they have to put it together. What I said was they need to be able to continue to show that consistency But, man, when you're able to go out there and get seven wins in the regular season or eight wins in the regular season or whatever the heck it may be, and in this case, obviously, we know it's eight. When you go to a recruit, when I go to Michael Skarnecchia's house and I'm trying to sell him on all these things, yes, you can see it all. But when I show you, hey, look, eight wins, seven wins last year, the year before I even got here, and I'm speaking as if I'm Shane Beamer or this coaching staff, Six wins combined those two previous seasons. Six. Six wins combined in 2019 and 2020. So to be able to do those things, Mike, it's not a used car salesman pitch. And the people that were doubting Shane Beamer, and I get it. It's only year two. It's only year two, right? Um, I know there's going to be some people that will say that because they want to make the comparison to Muschamp, year two, and all that. But – Muschamp and his staff, they didn't beat. And that's no disrespect because I know you were on that team. Um, they weren't able to beat a two top 10 teams to close out the year. you know. And there were some good things that Muschamp did. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But the whole point that I'm trying to get at is Beamer's starting to do things that really say, hey, look, it's not just for show. Like, or, you know, um, I think one person a couple weeks ago, oh, he's just a cheerleader coach. Cheerleader coaches don't beat two top 10 teams to close out the year in the manner in which they did and have. No, they don't. And, you know, you, you also made a good point with like the eight wins, you know, going from seven, going from six combined. The bigger recruits, the more talented, the top rated ones, a lot of those guys, it's a perception thing. They don't want to go to a six win team who's on the upcoming because they're like, you know, I want to go to a team who's winning now. And eight wins makes it more convincing for those teams. Hey, we're winning against the big opponents now. We're not just winning against the Vandys, the Floridas, the unranked opponents, and then losing all the big games. 
the, those big time recruits are now seeing, hey, we're going to a program. We're committing to a program that can play against everybody and anybody in the nation, whoever, regardless of who that team is. And that's going to help nationally. And mm-hmm. I love that about that. And that's why beyond just what these past two wins, because those two top 10 opponents we just beat was huge for our program, not just for the players we have now, but for the future, because I think Beamer and the staff can now play off this. We also, you know, we get 15 extra practices with the guys we have and who knows what happens. You know, if we lose Spencer, that's going to be a huge drop off in talent. Like Spencer's a very talented quarterback, probably one of the most talented arms in the nation, you mm-hmm. know, declares for the draft. He's going to have and he might. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I don't know if he's going to announce until after the bowl game or what. But regardless of that situation, I think Gamecock Nation can feel positive about not just the bowl game, but where this program's headed with both the recruits and the ability to play against top opponents. Mm-hmm. Intern Joe, I know you had a couple quotes over there. I know you're paying attention to the post-game press conferences, which, again, guys, if you're just tuning into the program, unfortunately, because of the – the rights, we don't have the rights at Gamecock Central to be able to cut in. Um, but we can tell you what's being said. Intern Joe, why don't you share with us uh, what's being said here? Yeah, courtesy of our buddy Colin Taylor. Shout out Colin Taylor. Um, there was a question to Zach Pickens. It said, what kind of statement do you th- feel like you guys made as a team today? And then Zach Pickens clearly, in true Zach Pickens fashion, said, we dropped our nuts. Shout out Cam. And I, I love Zach Pickens. He's hilarious. His pressers are always the best. When If you guys get a chance, watch them. They're great. You know, shout out Zach Pickens. He had himself a day, too. That sack was huge. Yeah, very big. Huge momentum swinger. And, you know, <clears throat> finally got it. And, you know, that's that's the, you know, uh, I guess what Zach Pickens has been building up to. Made it one hell of a play in one of the biggest games of the year. Joe, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, Linus brings this up, and I think it's a good question and all three of us can answer. Um, who do you think was the MVP today? Because, I mean, look, again, what Zach's did today and some of the defensive linemen, it might not show up on the stat sheet all the time, right? I mean, I think Jordan Birch, there were times where he had to take on double teams and that freed up some of the other guys on the defensive line. We mentioned what Kai Kroger did. Holy cow. Holy cow. I mean, to me, it has to be Nate Atkins. It has to be. Um, Now, you know, I'm sure he'll go back and he'll tell you, I'm sure his father would tell you more than anything, that there were probably some times he missed a couple blocks or missed a block or two or something, whatever. Um, but he had some very, very big blocks out there. He did some good things, obviously, in the receiving game. Again, like we mentioned, Pat DeMarco Jr. out here. And then, obviously, that huge play on special teams. Huge, huge play. So, to me, it's Nate Atkins. Um, If you guys are leaning with Nate, outside of Nate, who else do you go with? I think you either go with, I mean, Kai Kroger, or you go with, um, with Wells. What 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 are Wells' stats? Nine catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Absolutely massive against the talented defense they faced. You know that's just getting separation, making the big catches, and and just being a big time player. But then again, too with Kai Kroger, I know it seems weird saying a punter's your, but my God, when you're <laughs> placing the ball within a 10 yard line, and I know people don't see the statistics, but when you look at the statistics, and we were given that right was playing. The statistical likelihood of you scoring from inside your own 10-yard line is like 5%. He put them in their top in the within their 10-yard line five times, I think it was, or something. Right. Listen to this, okay? Seven punts by Kai today. 
averaged just shy of 54 yards a punt, had a long of 63. Of those seven punts, because again, as we saw towards the end of the game, there were situations where they were really pinned back and kicking in the shadow of their own goalpost. Of those seven punts, and I believe all five of these ones, the five times they had opportunities to pin it inside the five, it happened. Five punts inside the 20-yard line. So to go back to what you just mentioned, how that changes, that percentage. And Mike, I'm sure you remember. I'm sure Spurrier probably had the old school. Um, oh, that we had the, the field yeah, with the percentage. The <laughs> and it kept showing the percent. I remember my coach gave us, gave us that in college. And, you know, this is what happens when you start the ball here and start the ball there. I mean, it's the God's honest truth. And yeah. look, the defense and special teams – at the end in particular, right? We talk about complimentary football all the time. It's such a cliche thing to say. The offense, you know, they hit a little, they, they hit a wall towards the end, okay? And they needed the defense to pick them up. They needed special teams to pick them up. And boy, did they pick them up. Because again, even though Clemson's offense was struggling in that fourth quarter, I just feel like we've seen it way too many freaking times with Clemson in recent years where they find ways to pull out games like that. But with that play by Nate Atkins, with that punt by Kai Kroger to allow Nate in the Gunners to get down the field to recover that, if that doesn't happen, they have a very, very talented kicker. They have a very talented kicker. Um, boy, I mean, you just – I don't know. I mean, if it if it's not Nate Atkins – <laughs> or even if it is Nate, I mean, 1A, 1B. I don't know what you're thinking, Joe. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's either of those two, but I think you could also make a case for Spencer, too. I mean, yeah, he had the two picks, and they were kind of dumb, but there's also a third option in Spencer, I think. You know, 25 of 39 for 360 yards is pretty good. But, I mean, on Kai Kroger, Pete Lembo gave that guy the nuclear codes, man. He has been bombing punts. It's been ridiculous. And, like, I don't know, the dynamic between Pete Lembo and Kai Kroger has to be some of the best I've, I've ever seen between a coach and player. Like, they are the most efficient group in the country. And, I mean, everyone gives praise to Notre Dame special teams, but South Carolina hands down has the best special teams unit in the country. And, I mean, I love Nate Atkins, the unsung hero, and he's a true testament to what this team is, this program. I, I mean, I, I got to give it to Nate Atkins because he's, he's my guy, like, I, again, God bless his father. You know, I really, really, really hope he's doing well. And I'm sure he's smiling watching that game and super proud of his kid there. And, I mean, it's it's just an unbelievable game. And Nate Atkins just keeps building and building and building. He he had a video game like day-to-day. But, I mean, honestly, I don't think a fullback has that kind of game in Madden, Mike. Like, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. And same thing, same goes for Kai Kroger. Like, you can't punt the ball that well in – and Madden, it's crazy. <laughs> Those two guys are, you know, it's it's a perfect testament to what this team is. You know, you you expected the offense to go crazy with Spencer, and sure they have, but like the two best players that have really been shining are the two guys that you know are supposed to be role players. I mean, you saw Clemson special teams weren't nearly as good. Dabo tried to get a little creative. I loved how cute he tried to get, and you know, tried to do a little lem ball himself, but failed miserably. They did. I will. I will say this though, and I believe his name's Mike Reed, and I just want to make sure I have the name right. Um, because I mentioned it earlier in the game. I really did like the kind of the the chess match that we saw on special teams today between Lembo, and um, again, I want to make sure I get the name right. I I should know this. Yeah, it is Mike Reed. Okay, uh, special teams coordinator for Clemson. It felt like there were like four or five different ways they punted the ball today. Right? We yeah. saw our traditional punt right at the beginning where. 
Um, it looked like Moses in the Red Sea. I mean, that middle was wide open. And then you saw a rugby-style punt. And again, give their punter credit. He made some big punts today. But it was it was a um, it was one of those things. The muddle huddle on the uh, kickoff return after the uh, safety. I didn't hate it. Um, just got to hold on to the dang football. Um, real quickly, guys, because I want to make sure I do this. We'll wrap things up in a little bit, but I want to make sure that we pay the bills around here because uh, I know we can get carried away here. So we got to make sure. Intern Joe's taking Snapchat pictures over there. I don't know what you're doing, man. Look at you. Intern Joe, unfreaking believable. You know what? Gonna, Thank you, boss. You're going to have a night tonight, Joe. And you know what, Joe? Before you know it, because you're a senior – one day you're not going to be intern Joe anymore. You're going to be Joe, big boy Joe living in the real world, and you're going to need to be able to take care of your taxes, son. And Liberty Tax can be able to help you out. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. They'll be able to help you overcome your tax anxiety. And if you're a senior like Joe, well, guess what? When you're in the real world, you have to pay Uncle Sam. So give them a call. They'll be able to help you out. And today's program is also brought to you by Clint Hammond. When intern Joe is a big enough boy to be able to get his own place, he's going to need someone to call. And Clint Hammond helped out former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. You heard Perry speak just so highly of the job Clint did. And obviously right now buying a home is, uh, well, it's it's pretty tricky right now. And uh, Clint can be able to make that hassle less for you. Give Clint a call over at the Mortgage Network, 803-576-4450. And obviously, you know, intern Joe knows I just bust his chops. Um I remember so, someone someone got upset with me last week. They're like, "Stop picking on intern Joe. Stop picking on it. Intern Joe's the best. Intern Joe's the best. That's why we have as many people watching right now as we we do. Um, obviously, Michael Skarnacki does a great job too. But intern Joe, he uh, he does a great job behind the scenes. I, I see I see people talking about the rankings, guys. Um, I mean, I've always said this to me: rankings are more about you know, fans and the media. But in this case, talking about bowl games, we're talking about that college football playoff rankings, right? Now, not that South Carolina is going to be in the top four. Sorry, Joe. But to be able to be in that to close out the year, um, I don't know how high they'll be. I don't feel like this is, and I think this is going to happen. I feel like some people are going to try to discredit this win. With South Carolina say, okay, this isn't the Clemson of old. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, this isn't as good as Clemson has been in the last couple of years. But you know what, though? Still a top 10 team. Still a top 10 team. So if people want to discredit that, that's fine. Fine. You know, they did that. They're doing going to do it with AM, probably doing that with Kentucky. At the end of the day, when we look back a couple of years from now, how many people are really going to bring that up? A win's a win. That's the way I look at it. So I don't know. I mean, where where do you think South Carolina should be when we get those rankings uh, come next Tuesday? Listen, they already snubbed us for not being in the top 25 after beating Tennessee. I was already pissed off about that. If we don't get top – I want top 20. If we don't get top 22, though, they have a vendetta against Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're top it's 24 it's between 20 and 24. Um, you know, I could see them breaking into the top 20. Um, I'm calling out Ben Portnoy. I think Ben Portnoy has to rank them now and the fan base needs to get up on Ben Portnoy. Good friend Ben Portnoy. 
they need to get up on him to rank him. I, I, I think they have proved they're a top 25, let alone a top 20 team now. Um, and I think last week, you know, they definitely could have been ranked, um, you know, after this Tennessee win. It's a big SEC win at home. You saw a lot of that. A lot of teams get ranked because of that. But, I mean, Scar, I think you hit the nail on the head once again. Um, you know, top 20 team at, at the very least break into the top 25. And, I mean, the bowl placement is going to be really, really interesting because, I mean, teams aren't necessarily placed in the bowls depending on their ranking. You know, they could be in a better bowl that's way higher than their ranking. So, I think it'll be really interesting. And I know people are going to give me a hard time when I say this. Um, I know it's the rivalry, but I hope people don't freaking go too crazy on Antonio Williams. All right. It happened. It's over with the kid really, to my knowledge, didn't say anything publicly. I know he goes back to the summer when he was asked to leave the seven on seven that turned into a big story. The family, I get all that. Um, it's over with, you know, I just, I enjoy the win. Don't be frigging beating the crap out of a freshman. Um, let them live. I mean, that's just me. That's just me. Um, especially a local kid. Um, but look, I mean, that was, that was obviously a critical play of the game. It was a huge play of the game. And, um, you know, I, I give, there, there's other plays two guys on special teams. We've saw the long snapper make a couple plays, being able to save the ball from going into the end zone. We give Kai Kroger a lot of credit and rightfully so rightfully so because he has to be the one that gives you a chance but to see the gunners and to see the work that lembo has done with these guys it's absolutely incredible it really is um i'm just trying to figure out right now with this team Ooh, i mean i I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here guys but Nine wins. It's on the table. We have no idea who the hell South Carolina is going to play in a bowl game yet. Nine wins, Mike. What would that mean? Year two for Beamer. It'd be huge. But before I even get to that, I want to give a shout out to Mississippi State for beating Ole Miss because that was also big for us getting into a better bowl game with potentially the Citrus Bowl. Like you're the sp- and this is the, this is why you're the lawyer. Okay, you're the smart guy. Okay, I'm glad you brought that. I, look at you. Keep I mean, that was huge like, because if, the, if if Ole Miss I, – I don't think we have a chance at the Citrus Bowl. I think it's Gator Bowl all the way. And both bowls are great. But Ole Mississippi State being Ole Miss was big for our chances getting into the Citrus Bowl, which means a better opponent um, and more national recognition. But what nine wins could do for this team, I think, again, it goes down to recruiting. Recruits are saying, hey, this team yeah. is close to breaking that 10 win. They're close to getting – you know, on top of their division, they're winning those big games in the SEC. They're going to continually do that. I want to be a part of a program who, you know, is almost at that point, but I help them get to that point. Not I'm helping a program get out of the gutter. The program's out of the gutter. I think we've shown that we're out of the gutter. The Beamer's starting to have us go in the right direction. Now these bigger recruits we could be getting coming in from national, from state, wherever it is. I think they're looking at this and saying, you get to nine wins, I'll help you get to 10. I'll help you get to 11. We're getting those kind of guys now. I can't believe – I got to bring this up right now, and I got to be careful with what I say because I got two different places that I represent now when I speak. <sighs> no one is asking you to send a Christmas card to Marcus Satterfield. I said the same stuff freaking last week against Tennessee. I got to say it again. No one's asking you to send a Christmas card to Satterfield. No one's saying that they're going to build a statue, Okay. We're going to have to wait and see how things play out as far as the contract. No one's saying that it's guaranteed. 
all we're saying is Sat gave the offense a chance today. There were some plays today. Was it Sat's fault that a play got picked off and was run back for six? Yeah. You know, they're going up against a very good defense. No one is saying that he's offensive coordinator of the year. You just beat another freaking top 10 team. And that's all you could think about. And I don't want to steal a line from Beamer, but goodness gracious, find some joy, man. Find some joy. Like, they just beat another top 10 team. You just beat Clemson. That hadn't happened since 2013. And the first thing, and it's not just the first thing, I've seen you message a couple times on here today. And that's all you can think about. Sat's got to go. Sat's got to go. Goodness. I mean, really? Was his pants left in your living room? I mean, really? Like, what's the matter? Are you angry with this guy? Is there a personal vendetta? That's not the day to do it. Holy cow. Go smile. Mix in a freaking water for me. Good Lord. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Eight freaking wins. No one's saying that this team doesn't have blemishes. No one's saying that this team doesn't have issues. No one's saying that they don't need to fix things for next year. You just beat Clemson. And I've seen you message several times. And I usually ignore some. But I'm sure you're not the only handbone out there thinking that. Good Lord. I had had to get that off my chest, fellas. Good. Good. Um, Anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap things up? I'm trying to do my best to to be able to get. um, Yeah, I'll say, uh, you know, I think the bowl game, while our past game has been our strong suit, it's what's been just electric these past two weeks. I, I truly would love to see the run game get going because, you know, we Spencer obviously is just so talented and he helped us win these games, but we're also going to have to get the run game going. You know, if we're going to continually be and in, in go to that 10, 11, 12 win season in the SEC and nationally, we're going to have to have an established run game. We can't just always rely on our pass game. And while it has saved us, people are going to be like, oh, that doesn't make sense because we can or we have the talent. There's going to be games when it's just not clicking. And you're going to face DBs who are just taking everything away. And the pass rush is getting to you. You're going to have to mix in the run game. And I think we've gotten away a little bit from it. And I want to just see us in the bowl game kind of get back to it. I'm not saying just solely rely on the run game and get away from that. But I, I want to see some more production from it. Maybe we don't do it 50 times and rush. But, you know, when your running backs aren't even breaking 50 yards, there's something wrong there. Joe? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, the offense has shown up um, over the last couple of weeks. Satterfield has proved all of the doubters wrong um, against Tennessee and Clemson. Um, I don't know if he gets extended. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know what to think about that situation. I really don't. Um, you know, but Mike, I agree. You know, got to find some joy, right? Two big wins, going to a bowl game, and you got hope for that one too. Um, so really, I mean, the, the whole Satterfield situation, there's no reason to, you know, pin anything on him you know there were a couple bad plays but the last couple weeks have been great um and you know really I think you know the brights again like I I will say this um again I I brought it up earlier that the MVPs being Kai Kroger and Nate Adkins is a true testament of what this program is um it's gritty it's hard-nosed and it's it's a family really um to have role players be you know the shining stars of two biggest games of the year now granted we didn't they didn't punt um, a lot in the Tennessee game. So Kai Kroger didn't get to show, show his wings, but 
Nate Atkins sure did. So, I, I mean, I think it's a true testament to this program. And, again, my, I'll, uh, I guess I'll end my little spiel on this. What a day to be a Gamecock, man. I am, like I said, came down here uh, four years ago, and, like, this is the best I've ever felt, being a student, being around this team, program, university. It's crazy, man. Well, and, and the reason why I went on that rant is because I, you know, I have a buddy who, who's been sending me messages all week saying, you know, where was this against Missouri? Where was it? And it's like, it's a fair question. Okay. No one's saying it's not a fair question. But then after today, it's the same message. Where was this against Missouri? It's like, why can't you appreciate? It's like, look, I hate to say this to those Gamecock fans, but who the hell do you think you are? Really? We, we, we mentioned the numbers. You have eight wins this regular season. Last year you had seven, excuse me, six in the regular season. Two years prior, six wins combined in 2019 and 2020. Do you, did you just expect that they'd snap their fingers and then it automatically get, you know, 10 wins? We talked about this in the offseason, about how talented this team could be. I think some people set their bar very high, very high. And it's not to say that they couldn't beat Missouri. It's not to say they couldn't beat Florida, okay? I get that. I totally understand that. But this is year two. It just doesn't happen like that. Tennessee made it look that way. But look what happened against Tennessee just last week. It's not as easy as you think it is to be able to do stuff like that. And as we mentioned before, yes, this team probably has more talent on it than what we've seen in games. Again, Missouri, Florida. But at the same time, too, this team's not at the level of they're going to be competing for SEC titles. They're just not there yet, and that's okay. Again, this is only the second year a coach has been here. He's only had really one true recruiting class. I think more than anything, it just goes to show that they're going in, they're you know gutting it, gutting out the place, right? putting a new rug down, some nice carpets, maybe a nice picture or two, nice flat screen tee, all the bells and whistles. It just doesn't happen as easily as that. Um, there was one last question I wanted to ask you, Mike. One last question I wanted to ask him. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head now. But from an offensive standpoint, um, look, they were able to do some good things today. And people are going to start talking about the bowl game. We don't know who's going to be playing in that game. That's going to be a challenge. You know, I I, I don't know. I think Spencer Rattler, if this is his last go around in college, I feel like, you know, why wouldn't you play in the bowl game? But then again, I don't know what his camp's going to be thinking. I'm not telling you that's what he's thinking, that he's thinking about not playing in it. Um, but from an offensive standpoint now, Mike, you're done right now, right? You have that time between now and the bowl game. How do you find a way to carry this momentum? Because as nice as eight wins is, to be able to get that ninth win, it could really, it could really just be the cherry on top. How do you keep that going over the next couple of weeks? Not knowing, of course, until you know the coming days, uh, what bowl game you're going to be playing in. Yeah, and before I answer that, I would love to see in the comments who Gamecock Nation, all you fans, who do you guys want to see Gamecocks face in a, any bowl game, whether it's Gator Bowl or Citrus Bowl? Throw it in the comment. I would love to see. Um, but I think from here, you just go into the film room. You maintain the strength. You know, you just do some workouts. Keep them, keep the strength going. Make sure everybody's staying healthy. 
Um, but I think it's really going to be game or film room style coaching at this point. Mm-hmm. At this point, you have a lot of your 15 extra practices. You have more days in the film room. You can let your players go and just study the film because that's where it's going to see, hey, these are the mistakes we've made. This is where we can improve on because regardless of the opponent, you're going to go and just see your installs. You're not even caring about what style of offense you're facing. You're just going to go see, did I do my assignment on this? How can I improve? What did I miss on both defense and offense? And I think that's especially for the young guys, the guys who maybe need a little more confidence, a little more understanding of what to do when that play call happens. It's going to give them a boost because now you can start fixing up and you can just start making sure everything is is more dialed than what it was before. And that's what these extra film sessions are going to do before you even get to practice. Practice is going to be big for both seniors, the older, I mean, the, you know, the, the more mature, the upperclassmen and the underclassmen, the, um, the, the junior or the freshmen and the sophomores who, you know, maybe they saw a field a little bit where our defense side, we saw more freshmen on there, but like that practice too is going to be big because now you're going to get more reps after that film session that you had prepping for the bowl game. And all that's going to be big, both for trying to win the game and for all those young guys coming back next year, because they're going to have more maturity. They're going to understand Clayton white Satterfield's offense more. And that's going to be big because when that first game starts, they'll also have spring and fall camp all these extra practices, all this more time of getting prepped and being more mature. And hopefully you see it at the start of the season next year. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I think, you, again, Skarnekia, that's why we got you on, hitting the nail on the head once again. I think, you know, it just builds, right? If So Satterfield, granted, like, he probably will stick around after that. I would too. Um, and so, like, it, it just builds and builds and builds. Winning heals all in terms of Satterfield's whole thing. And I see a bunch of comments about Notre Dame in the bowl game. I will chime in on on your question, even though I'm not in the comments. I would love to see Notre Dame because I think it's it would be a really good matchup. Notre Dame's defense and special teams is just really similar. Yeah. Um, I think the quarterback position, Spencer's got Drew Pine beat, beat so badly. I think that's going to – it all depends on what happens tonight, 730, um, what they do against Southern Cal – um, so, I mean, we'll see, but, um, Scar, yeah, I think, I think you're right about Satterfield. I think it just builds and builds and, you know, they'll have all off season and, you know, Mike, you said the growing pains. I think that's so true too. Um, you know, it's middle of the season growing pains. It's Satterfield kind of getting a grip on what to do, what not to do, not to get too cute with it and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I think that's, that's all it was. And, you know, we've really seen it turn up here in this, this last half of the season for sure. Yeah, and I think Notre Dame, another reason why Notre Dame would be a good matchup is because, and you know, look, love them, hate them. People watch. People watch Notre Dame, and there's there would be more eyes on that game if Notre Dame's playing against South Carolina than, I don't know, depending on if there is a very unique matchup, right? I know, like, Virginia Tech's not going to be there, but, like, you know, unless there was some type of storyline that would be unique. Um, the Outback Bowl does not exist anymore, but it's still there's still a bowl game though at Tampa. I believe it's called like the Reli- something quest, the Relia Quest, real something like that. Um, but just to throw that out there to Brandon and anyone that's looking if they don't see the game, you know, uh, the Outback Bowl in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this is this is going to be a tremendous opportunity for South Carolina. Um, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with them. I'm trying to keep checking my phone. <laughs> trying to do this interview mixing a water. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with certain people, you're trying to make sure that we, you get the interviews done when you can. So um, praying that we uh, were able to get this thing going. I got to go into Boston tonight, got to anchor in a little bit. Um, but no, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Um, it's been an incredible, incredible season. Um, 
we will do a game, a GCLI post game show for the bowl game. We're going to work through those kinks um, because we're not a hundred percent sure yet exactly what we're going to do and who's going to be where and all that. Uh, but Mike, we appreciate you having, having you on all season as well as Perry Orth and uh, not sure if you'll be on for the bowl game, but so if this is the case, Mike, we appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. If, if this can be the case next year, I hope to see you all next year too. Well, it was a big win for South Carolina. And again, this is how you change programs. You go in there, you don't just talk about it, you be about it. And to be able to go in here for a second straight season, to get back to six wins, to get to seven wins, and now to get an eighth regular season win, something that hasn't happened in quite some time quite some time and I'd have to go back, but I believe there hasn't been too many eight win regular seasons in the 100 plus year history of South Carolina football. So it just speaks. It speaks how special of a day it is not only to be able to get to that mark, but to also be able to beat Clemson on that same day uh, a week after being able to beat Tennessee. I'm kind of just trying to go through these comments right here, guys. Um, But um, that's, that's pretty much going to do it. And uh, we will, you know, we'll see what we have on Tuesday. It's going to be a busy week here. Patriots are uh, playing another Thursday night game, so I got to be juggling a uh, an interesting schedule, not the same schedule as usual. Um, let's see, I'm 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 fifty fifty on here, but you're right, you've not the time to think about that. Yeah, look, we're gonna have to wait and see. I know there's gonna be people that are gonna want to ask about the offense, and I'm not saying what's took place over the last two weeks. You can't forget about what happened earlier in the year. All we're trying to get at is number one, enjoy today on Tuesday. If you guys want to talk about it, more than welcome to even tomorrow, talk about it. It's just that we're not going to do that right now. Um, And we're going to have to wait and see. I do think that I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if um, I would not be shocked if, um, if Sack calls another phenomenal game in the bowl game. It just, I would not be shocked. It would, it would put so many people's freaking brains in a pretzel. Um, but I think he's done a phenomenal job over the last couple of weeks. Uh, no update before we wrap things up, Joe. Any update on Josh Fan? I've not seen anything from Josh Fan. What we got from the broadcast was like a knee sprain. They were treating him for a knee sprain, but I mean, obviously, yeah. you hope the kid's all right. That's what it looked like. It looked like a hyperextended knee. All right. Well, we're not going to be able to get to every comment. Um, <laughs> show Boston them Gamecock highlights tonight. You've, I don't, I don't pick the highlights. I don't pick the highlights. We have producers that do all that. Um, but if they sneak them in there, that would be great. Uh, and it's been a fun season. Again, appreciate all you guys who have uh, tuned in this season. Um, and that's about it. Oh yeah. How about the offensive line? Real quick thoughts, Mike. I think they look good. They were playing as a unit. Even when, you know, if they did break down, Spencer made a play. But overall, for pass protection, they looked great. They gave him time, and Spencer was able to buy the time if he needed and find the guys down the field. And so shout out to those guys. I know a lot of times we talked or we at least questioned that unit throughout the season and saying maybe they weren't ready for the big-time games, but I think they showed it. You know, otherwise we wouldn't have had these passing. We wouldn't have had the passing production we've had these past two weeks unless those two, unless the offensive line played well and they did these past two weeks. So shout out to them. All right. Well, that's going to do it here for us, guys. We appreciate it. Um, again, we're trying to finalize, waiting for one text to be able to 
get this good mix in the water Monday for you guys and um, be on the lookout too for, uh, for Tuesday night. GC Live talking Tuesday nights. But again, appreciate you guys tuning in all regular season. We'll keep you posted as to what we will do for the postseason. For Michael Skarnecchia, for intern Joe, I'm Mike Yuba. You guys have a safe Saturday night and permission granted. No need to mix in a water tonight. Congratulations, the Gamecocks. They end the streak, winning the 119th edition of the Palmetto Bowl 31 to 30. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.